So this is going to be a fun one. So how do the aloes and especially the aloe children eat? Like, what do we eat? A lot of people ask me on social media, well, what do you eat, Dr. Aloe? Well, first of all, let me say right off the bat, I'm not a food therapist or a food psychologist. If you have an eating disorder or think you might have an eating disorder, then please obviously talk to a therapist, especially one that specializes in eating disorders, a therapist or a psychiatrist. I am not that, and please don't take this as advice if you have children with an eating disorder. Obviously, a lot of what I advise people is to help prevent, ultimately, uh, eating disorders, but this is not that. So what do we eat? So first of all, if you guys have listened to my mindset course, um, you know I'm very anti-food phobias. I'm against diet culture. I'm against food phobias. I'm against all of that. And if you haven't listened to my mindset course, um, you can go. It's free. DrAllo.net slash mindset. It's DrAllo.net slash mindset. Um, food phobias are when you are afraid of food. This is like when the, the naked guy on Instagram is in the supermarket trying to scare you of every little ingredient that's in water or in Pop-Tarts or in a piece of steak or in broccoli or in cooked Brussels sprouts, like whatever it might be. People have all kinds of extreme diets and all kinds of food phobias. Literally, you know, I'm not going to name the names of these creators. There's hundreds of them. Some of them are registered dietitians. Some of them are just salespeople or business people. Some of them are doctors. Some of them are everything. I mean, everything from like a guy walking around no education whatsoever to like the guys with the biggest PhDs in nutrition and, you know, uh, whatnot. So you want to be careful when somebody has food phobias and is trying to give you advice surrounding those food phobias. A lot of times they will pick out a single ingredient and be like, oh my God, this has two grams of something sugar or two grams of fat or two grams of what have you. So please, if you find somebody like that, just avoid. These people have nothing good to sell you and are just trying to scare you from eating food. The biggest crowd of these seem to be these anti-seed oil people. Now, seed oil, being anti-seed oils has now become synonymous with being just crazy quacks. Um, For the longest time in the history of the world, vegetable oils, whether they're olive, safflower, sunflower, whatever, you know, chia seeds, I don't know, pick any seeds you want, have always been healthy. You know, they're omega-3s and omega-6s. A lot of them are more omega-6. And no matter how you look at it, they are cardioprotective and healthy. You know, we've got these huge studies and I keep citing them and talking about them. We have studies with 68,000 participants, 76,000 tissue biopsies where the endpoints were met over 15,000 times, followed on a 31.9 year time horizon. And without question, vegetable oils are cardioprotective. And especially so if you are replacing saturated fat with vegetable oils. No, that's without question. If you don't believe that, we can't be friends. We can't have this conversation. But anyway, so like, how do we eat? So diet culture, if you grew up in a family that's always like, oh my God, don't eat that. Or, oh my God, eat this. Or, or like, let's say you're an overweight child and your mom or your friends or your aunts or your uncles were all like, oh, you really think you should be eating pizza or cheese or ice cream or that Snickers bar? Like those are food phobias on top of it, like diet culture. And that causes something called diet trauma. You have children growing up afraid to eat and afraid to indulge and enjoy themselves and eat what they want because people are going to say mean, nasty things to them, passive aggressively or straight up just aggressively, like whatever it is. If you have a 12 year old child that's 200 pounds, you should not be like sitting there telling them, 
hurtful, mean things. You should actually take them to a therapist, get them on medications, like go do the right thing, get them into sports, you know, help them reduce their calories, like all of that. If you listen to what I talk about, I'm always talking about calories that are appropriate for your ultimate goals. If you are trying to gain weight, you better be eating more calories. If you're trying to maintain your weight, eat the correct amount of calories for your weight. If you are trying to lose weight, you need slightly less calories. The composition of those calories for weight loss only does not really matter. Now, for peak for performance, if you're an athlete or a runner or sports or want to be a bodybuilder and build some muscle, yeah, absolutely. The actual types of calories you eat makes a huge difference. But if you're just trying to lose weight, and I'm not suggesting anyone just try to lose weight. We want you to build muscle too. But if you are just trying to lose weight, you technically could eat any amount of calories as long as it's less than you need and it works. Now, that might not be good for satiety. It might be harder to stick to. It might, you know, do other things, but it will actually work assuming you can stick to it. Now, eating more protein is more satiating and you're more likely to feel full. Eating more, you know, fibrous type fruits and vegetables make you feel more full. You know, all those kind of things are true. So don't take it like I'm just telling you eat Pop-Tarts. Although eating just Pop-Tarts would work, no one is also saying that that is optimal. Just like when I tell people, like people tell me, well, I eat carnivore and I feel great. Okay, it's good that you avoid carbs. It's not optimal, but it does work. It People can survive on that. There is an in, built-in survival mechanism where humans could survive without carbs because your body can technically make them. And you can survive on ketones. It's a survival mechanism. doesn't mean it's optimal. So what do I tell my kids? So we are humans. We're omnivores. We eat just about anything and it really depends on the situation or scenario. Thankfully for us, my children have been super fit and super healthy. They play every sport. I always tell people I have four kids in 10 different sports. The sports in and of themselves definitely probably contribute, especially to muscle building. Their metabolism is a bit higher. Like my 12-year-old soccer player, or 13 now, is more has more metabolism, has a higher total daily energy expenditure, higher resting metabolic rate, higher everything because she's muscular. Not only does she has she been playing soccer since she was four, but she also lifts weights with me. Same with all my other kids. My 15-year-old boy who ran track and cross country and played football and played baseball and all that, also lifts weights with me. He has higher metabolism than the average 15-year-old. He's more muscular. He's got more explosive movements, more fast twitch fibers, all of that. Same thing with my two little ones. I got four kids. 15, 13, 11, 9, two years apart, boy, girl, boy, girl. They are incredible athletes, and we we have raised them in a way to not be afraid of food. They'll eat anything. Like, for example, you guys are going to laugh at this one. Last week, we had to wake up at 5.50 in the morning to get my daughter to a soccer game that was about 30, 40 minutes away um, for a 7 a.m. game. She's 13 and a half, almost 14 now, and... We woke up and no one is going to wake up at 5 a.m. before a soccer game and eat a bowl of cereal. It's too much dairy. It's too full, too stuffing and whatever. So she drinks water and we're like, listen, we need like some quick carbs. You, you're coming in from an overnight fast. You fasted all night and now you're about to go play sports. You are glycogen depleted. Your blood sugars are kind of low. They're at their fasting levels. You basically fasted overnight. How do we quickly replete you. So there's sugar, there's nerds, there's gummy bears, there's sour 
candy. There's like all kinds of stuff. There's just little granola bars. I mean, you need sugar and you need it fast. You need fast acting, fast absorbing sugar, brings up your blood sugar levels, your body secretes some insulin, gets it into your muscles. Now your muscles are ready to go. She needs sugar and she needs water. You could drink a juice, apple juice, orange juice, whatever you want. Just something quick, absorbing, fast sugars. We do that. We're smart. I'm a certified personal trainer. I've been playing sports and coaching sports my entire life. I know how to train athletes and nourish them in a way that is going to give them optimal and peak performance. Uh, And we're not ashamed of that. You need sugar. You need sugar. When we go to these long tournaments in the summer where it's 90 degrees out, you know, up here in Ohio and it's hot and humid and you're going from game to game, you finish one game, you got about 30 minutes, 40 minutes before the next game starts. We ain't got time for pizza and you definitely don't want to be eating a pizza. It's dairy. It's heavy on your stomach. It's hard to consume. You're going to be sluggish and slow afterwards. No, you need quick absorbing carbs. We literally carry around bags full of candy, nerds, lots of Gatorade with sugar, like the real Gatorade, not the Gatorade Zero. You know, everything and anything. They need to be hydrated as, as heck and they need to be sugared up as heck because this is how you optimize performance. When I coach football in the summer, training camp and conditioning leading up to our season is tough. It's hot in August here in Ohio. It's one of the hottest months, July and August. And they're running and they're conditioning and they got two weeks of conditioning before the actual season starts, before we put football pads on, before we start hitting We make sure they bring lots and lots of sugar. We got popsicles during practice. We get like all kinds of quick, fast absorbing carbs because that's what you need. So with that all aside, let's assuming you guys are not athletes and your kids aren't athletes. What do we normally eat, let's say in the off season? So we obviously have very, very busy lives. I'm a cardiologist, super, super busy. I mean, it's insane what cardiologists do. They're literally the busiest doctors in the in the world, if you ask me. No one else gets called in at 2 a.m. and 3 a.m. to go save a life, whether they need a pacemaker or a stent or having a heart attack or, you know, you know what have you. Uh, we do that. That's our job. We don't always sleep. We try to. We work late hours. I don't know how I do most of this stuff, but I try my best. But it's hard but I'm dedicated to preventing cardiology and I don't want people to ever need a cardiologist and hopefully have less people having these emergency cardiac situations. So this is why I do this. But back to your topic. So we have very, very busy lives. My wife is a pharmacist. She works at the hospital. She doesn't work every single day, but she works enough. And those are long hours. They're like nine to nine or seven to seven or you know seven to three or whatever it might be. And the other days she's shuttling children around from practice to practice to practice to after school activity to tutoring back to another meet here and a track meet there and a cross country run there and a baseball game here. Like it, it's just nuts going to football practice. Like for, for example, during football season from August 1st through last day of October, second to last weekend in October, I'm gone five to 8 PM every single day. Pretty much. We are at practice. We are at coaches meetings. We are at walkthroughs in the morning. We are at games in the afternoons on Sundays. So, um, that knocks out three to four months out of the year, you know, whatever it is. Um, so we are very, very busy. So we do not, you know, a lot of people are like the best thing you can give your children is a home cooked meal. No, because maybe that worked in the seventies and fifties and sixties, but we want to give them practical tools to live in today's world. How do you live in today's world where you don't have time to make home cooked meals? You teach them to eat properly. 
Do we go to McDonald's every day? Not at all. What kind of things do my kids eat? So they love Chipotle. We get the the rice and the chicken. We double protein the the steak sometimes even, whatever it is. These are growing kids and, and myself too. Like if you, we need food, depending on my calorie count, whether I'm bulking or cutting, I'll remove or add certain ingredients. But we get burrito bowls and burritos. Some of our kids like the burrito bowls. Some of them like the actual burritos. We get that a lot. Those are the two older ones. Um, the two younger ones like Panera. They like that creamy red tomato soup. They like the chicken noodle soup. They like the bread that you dip in it. One of them loves mac and cheese a lot. It's a lot of calories pretty quick, you know, sugar calories as well as fat. Those are obviously not good before games, but after games, they like the ice creams. After a really long day of soccer practice or football practice, they want McFlurries sometimes. We go to McDonald's and grab McFlurries. Um, one of our kids every once in a while is like, hey, I just really want a little cheeseburger from wherever it might be. So we, we'll do that. And, you know, sometimes we'll grab, uh, what else do we eat? Let me think. I said Panera, I said Chipotle. Um, we have a place here called City Barbecue. It's probably a national, it's a national franchise at this point in time. I've seen it in North Carolina and South Carolina. City Barbecue is great. They have the hot, it's probably the best, you know, if you guys want a really good Nashville hot sandwich, get the one from City Barbecue. Super hot, super good. They have all kinds of stuff. They have chicken tenders, smoked chicken, shredded chicken, pulled chicken. We don't have any food phobias. I'd say the only food we avoid, generally speaking, is pork. Not because of food phobias, but because of religious reasons. We don't eat pork. It's our religion. So we avoid like ribs and, I don't know, pork chops, whatever. We do eat lamb chops, obviously. Um, do we eat a lot of pizza? No. But are, are we afraid of it? No. Like if people are coming over and it's a bunch of kids and it's a birthday party or whatever, or we invite a bunch of people over for the holidays, sure, we'll order a few pizzas and grill up some chicken or burgers on the grill. We're not afraid of food. But one thing we definitely don't do is we definitely don't force our children to finish their plate or finish their meal. Like if one of our kids gets a mac and cheese from Panera, she she always does, or or she actually likes the ones from City Barbecue or this place called Shorty's. Shorty's probably makes uh, the best one. But she gets the food. She doesn't finish it. We do not tell them you have to finish your food. That is a different kind of weird food phobia or almost like anti-phobia or some weird diet culture. You do not need to tell your children to finish their food. I, I hear, you know, parents do this all the time. We're at some, you know, function, some dinner thing or somebody's house. And they're like, you put that in your plate. You got to finish it. Like, no, you don't. Who said you got to finish it? Like that is another kind of way to almost cause your children to have these insecurities around food, food phobias and insecurities where they're like afraid of food or afraid to do the wrong thing with food and what have you. Um, so I highly recommend you do not do that. Like that is ever, that's always been a no, no, you're done, you're full, move on, pack it up, throw it in the fridge. You can eat it tomorrow. We get a lot of sandwiches, um, sandwiches from middle Eastern type foods, like these shawarma sandwiches, which are either like chopped up grilled chicken or chopped up grilled steak with like really cool spices, lots of garlic sauce, pickles in there, pickled beets are in there. Those are super good. Um, sometimes from the Middle East places, we get like the, the yellow rice uh, with the grilled chicken chunks, the nice salads like the uh, fatouche or tabbouleh, amazing uh, foods. Um, those are super nutritious, super healthy. Those are generally very good after a sporting event. And notice everything for us seems to surround or revolve around sporting events because like literally our lives currently revolve around sporting events. So what do the adults eat? 
me and my wife, we generally um, eat at work, um, depending on the day. Usually in the morning, for me, for example, depending on what the cafeteria at the hospital has or if I picked up something on the way, I'll usually, like a lot of times if I'm in a hurry and I'm getting, you know, I want to get something good. I like those little chicken egg whites from the egg white grills from Chick-fil-A. It's like a little muffin with a piece of chicken breast on it and uh, eggs on it. Um, Various different fast food places have different variations on this. Um, McDonald's has the Egg McMuffins. The Burger King has the croissants with eggs on it. Um, Arby's has those like spicy little chicken sandwiches. There's all kinds of stuff. And, and you can do that as long as it fits in your calorie count. I usually don't get the hash browns because that usually puts me over on my calories. Not right away in the morning, but I know if I if I, it doesn't fill me up as much and by the time I hit lunchtime, it's probably going to be too much. At lunch, I'll usually hit the salad bar at work, put tons of chickens on there. They usually have tons of like hard-boiled eggs. I'll put a bunch of those on there. Um, they got nuts and seeds and cranberries and raisins. Throw all that stuff on your salad. Sometimes I'll have really good like cooked Indian food, really nice spicy rice, uh, like biryani type rice. They'll have chicken. Sometimes they'll have fish. Um, Generally at the hospitals, I don't like their fish because it's way too overcooked and fishy. So I don't know what kind of fish they're choosing, but it's over like usually very fishy. Um, So I I generally avoid the fish at, uh, at hospitals, but the chicken is really good, you know, you just got to be a little bit creative. Sometimes for lunch, if I have time, I'll swing by a local Mexican place and get like, you know, shrimp and scallops grilled up with a salad or like a, you know, chicken fajita and, you know, eat most of the protein, kind of pack the rest of it for later. A lot of times I'll get sushi. I love sushi, especially sashimi, like just the sliced up pieces of fish, you know, especially salmon, smoked salmon, tuna, stuff like that, you know, cooked shrimp, obviously. Um, those are the kind of things I'll eat for lunch. When I get home at the end of the day, I'm generally not hungry. Neither is my wife. So we generally don't, uh, eat dinner. Like we don't have this big, huge sit down meal where everyone sits down because once we get home, that's when the chaos happens. You got to take this kid to football, then take that kid to soccer, then take this kid back to track and then make sure that kid got picked up for this thing and go back and grab that kid from there. So at, 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 in the evening, we don't have like this you know, big family sit down meal type of thing. Um, on the weekends though, we, we kind of do on the weekends. We'll make this egg poached egg breakfast thing called shakshuga. It's in my healthy heart cookbook. If you go to dralonet slash heart, dralonet slash heart, it's a cookbook that is designed for losing weight and it's heart healthy. There's no saturated fat, no salt. It's super cool. I mean, the the biggest food cookbook snobs in the world have left me amazing reviews. But the one thing that's unique about it is divided up into calories based on weight weight loss. So if you need to eat 1,800 calories a day to lose weight, flip to the 1,800 calorie chapter, make breakfast, lunch, dinner, and dessert, and lose weight. Same thing for 2,200, 2,400, 2,600, 1,600, 1,200, 1,400, whatever. Pick whatever calorie count you want, go to that chapter, make those foods, and you will absolutely lose weight. So I love that book. And that's actually, if you want to know like how I usually eat, that is how I eat. Another thing I'll eat for breakfast sometimes, this is if I wake up on time and I don't, I don't have to grab something quick. I'll grab Faye Greek yogurt, 0% Faye Greek yogurt, throw some berries in there, I'll uh, put a little honey on it and it becomes like an ice cream. Or the nice thing about Faye Greek yogurt is you can manipulate it. You can add 
lime juice, cilantro, and jalapenos and make like a, and garlic and make like a really cool dip or onions, whichever. Um, make a really cool like protein dip. It's pure protein. It's like this fluffy, thick cream uh, protein with no fat, no carbs, nothing. It's amazing. The fact that they even came up with that. Um, so I love Faye. All of those, oh, Faye is used a lot in my recipe book. So if you want it, again, dralnet slash heart. Um, but that's that. And again, like this whole mindset stuff around food, you can find it in my mindset course, dralnet slash mindset. So on the weekends, like I said, we make that shakshuka. It's poached eggs. The recipe's in my book. It's this tomato sauce salsa thing with like onions, turmeric, um, paprika, salt, black pepper, garlic, what have you, chopped up onions, pepper, you know, garlic, whatever. Get it, bring it to a boil, and then drop some eggs in there. Cover it, let it cook, leave the yolks runny, and then you serve those eggs on like bread or what have you. We make um, other types of Mediterranean-style lunches and brunches on the weekend if there's no tournaments. Like, you know, this is like the weekends where we're actually free. This will be like sliced up tomatoes and cucumbers, you know, we have like olive oil and this thyme kind of dip powder, this thyme and sesame seed powder that we dip like bread into the olive oil and then dip it into the powder and you eat it. You can make sandwiches out of it. Um, we do like lots of grilled chicken, um, things like that. So those are all things. When we have time, we actually like sit down and we'll make something. On Sundays, we usually go over to my mom's house and my dad's house. We go there and they have a Mediterranean style Breakfast, same thing, sliced up cheese, cucumbers, tomatoes, onions, beets, carrots, you know, simple stuff like that, olive oils. They'll have like a cream of wheat that has been toasted up and cooked, um, kind of like a porridge or oatmeal almost that's really good. They'll have some eggs that are cooked, either scrambled or, you know, poached style like I described earlier. They might have like a rice dish of some sort, you know, just simple stuff, um, not too heavy, super light. They always have olives and olive oil. Um, they always have various pickled things. Like they literally pickle everything in the Middle East. They have pickled beets, pickled cucumbers, pickled green peppers, jalapenos, um, eggplants even. Like anything you can imagine, zucchini. They pickle everything and they put it all together in these jars and it tastes like amazing. Um, they do their own pickling, which is like super cool. But all of that stuff is like sitting there and available to eat uh, at these like Mediterranean style brunches. So that's what we generally uh, do on the weekends. So that's kind of how we eat in general. Are there exceptions to the rule? Yeah, obviously. Sometimes the kids just want ice cream or popsicles or what have you. And we don't tell them no. We just, like, like I guess people want to know, do you give your kids rules about eating? Not really. Like, so our kids did go through a phase. The older two did go through a phase when they were like maybe eight or nine years old. Um, six, seven, eight, nine, somewhere in that range where they got a little chubby, but they're going through growth spurts. We did not like shame them and tell them they shouldn't be eating ice cream. They should be doing that. They should be doing that. We just made sure that the food environment, um, and, and the way we talked about food was healthy and it was nutritious. We didn't say things like, don't eat that ice cream. You're fat. Or why are you eating more pizza? Like we just said, listen, eat. If you're full, stop. And ultimately, that like healthy relationship with food, that's another thing, like having a healthy relationship with food. I can't stress that enough. Like so many people, kind of like what I've been talking about, the food phobias, the diet culture, diet trauma, all that. It's just a terrible relationship with food. People view food as a reward or a punishment. Like I was good today. I worked out, so I'm going to reward myself by eating junk. 
or I was not good today. I did not work out. I did not go on my walk. I didn't hit my 10,000 steps. So I'm going to starve myself tomorrow and not eat anything other than lettuce. So food, having a good relationship with food is super, super important. Um, So I think that is crucial uh, as well. So we did not like use food as a punishment or reward. Like, oh, you were good today. You can have extra ice cream. No, who says that? Like, why? If you want ice cream, eat some ice cream. Don't eat the entire bucket, but you can eat some ice cream. Like everything in moderation. You know how when you grow up, everyone's like, you know, everything can be good in moderation. That's exactly right. Everything can be good in moderation. Now, obviously you have to put some kind of maybe bumper uh, things on the sideline because like, what if your kid, and like I said, I'm not a child psychologist or a therapist. So, you know, if you have issues with this, please see an actual child food therapist or psychiatrist. But if your child is like always just downing bags of chips and nonstop, then there's some things you probably ought to do. You probably ought to make sure you don't have chips in the house, make sure you have alternatives that are good, you know, teach them about eating healthier. Like I I do remember that sometimes we did um, talk to our kids. Like they always used to make videos with me on YouTube. Some of my older YouTube videos have the kids involved and they're like, you should eat healthy and they're holding an apple and they take a bite out of it. So I think if you incorporate like fun around food and, and make it fun and exciting, like how can we eat healthy? You have to eat all the colors in the rainbow and you eat peppers and all the different pepper colors and food. And like another thing you'll notice that if you have the food laying out there, they'll eat it. Your kid is not going to go into the fridge, take out a green pepper, cut it up and eat it. However, if you did that, you cut up a green pepper and orange peppers and red peppers and carrots and celery and all this stuff and you put it out for them or cut up an apple, put a little bit dipping sauce next to it or whatever, you do that and leave it out. I guarantee you before the end of the night, it's all gone and they're not not hungry for ice cream or whatever it might be. So you have to use your intellect as well um, in different ways. There are ways to have your children make better choices without you being obsessed with better choices. I think once something becomes an obsession and you are just going crazy about it, that's when it becomes a problem uh, for children, when you are more obsessed about it than they are. Um, when you have an obsession over what they're eating and how much they're eating and did you do this? The other thing, you probably shouldn't be obsessed with like counting calories. One time my daughter, um, my 13-year-old, was like, I want to count calories. I want to know how to do that. So I was like, really? I wasn't too thrilled about it. She She saw that like, I coach people into counting calories and I forgot how she found this out, but, oh, I think it was one of her cousins. One of her cousins was having, um, was it a cousin or a friend? I don't remember. One of somebody about her age, 14, 15, she was 12 at the time, I think, or 11 maybe, was going through a weight gain period and wanted to lose some weight. Already passed puberty, just needed to lose some weight. So I taught them how to use my fitness pal. She saw me so she downloaded it on her phone. She's like, I want to track calories. And she started doing it for a while, but I you know, lost interest after a couple of days. Um, but I did not like sit there and obsess with it with her. She'd ask me questions like, oh my God, how do I track this? And I would answer the questions briefly, but I'm like, listen, you know, this is not a thing. You you know, not everyone needs to do this. You don't want your children to be obsessed with calories and calorie counting either, because although that works and it's good, that could also ultimately turn into a type of eating disorders. We all know bodybuilders, myself included, that have become macro calorie counting nut jobs. And I've done this. When I got down to 7.4% body fat, I was obsessed with calories. And I 
was like a slave to my apps and tracking. And it's crazy. You definitely don't want to have that happen with your children. But anyways, those are kind of my thoughts around this. People keep asking me, well, what do you and your kids eat? Tell us what you and your kids eat. So this is what me and my kids eat. Nothing fancy. It's nothing exciting. Maybe at least that gives you a look into my mind or my mental space around this. I don't know that what we do is anything special or different, but at least gives you maybe some insight as to how I think about it and how maybe you could think about it. Um, Obviously, if you have a child that's pretty overweight, this probably isn't going to apply to you. So please seek help. Um, There's all kinds of medication that they can use in children to help. You can see a therapist, all of that. But if your children are fairly healthy and you don't want to give them an eating disorder and you are generally doing well, kind of like my children, if your family description kind of fits mine, then this probably works for you. If you have different family dynamics or come from a you know, divorced household, single mother household, you know, whatever, maybe you can apply some of this to your situation. But in our situation and our lifestyle with our crazy busy jobs and our crazy sports and practice schedules, this works for us. And like I said, it's probably not for everyone, but this is how we do it. If you want to pick my brain around, you know, this and eating and weight loss and all that, I highly recommend you join my community. It's getting harder and harder for me to respond to DMs. There's just so many of them. Um, but if you want to join my community, it's drallo.net slash community. That's drallo, D-R-A-L-O dot net slash community. Join my community. You get an app. I'm on there. All my friends are on there. We answer questions. We help people with weight loss. One of the the young ladies in there has lost 116 pounds so far. There's, you know, bodybuilders in there. There's all kinds of like fun, amazing people in there. We talk all the time in the app and we talk Monday nights, Monday nights at 9 p.m. Eastern time. We have a Zoom where we check in with each other more so than, you know, giving advice to each other on, oh, did you cut this? Did you try that? You know, how did you lose weight? What did you do here with your lipids? You know, all that. It's really just a time to reflect. Um, A lot of times I feel like it's almost a therapy session for all of us where we're checking in with each other. Like we've all become super good friends. I would list everyone's names that that are the usuals that are on there, but I I don't want to leave anyone out, but I know them. There's about 10 people, 10 to 12 people that are kind of regulars on there. You, we usually have three to five people. Uh, most of the time it's super personalized care. I know today's healthcare world, you don't get individualized care. You see your doctor for all of 100 seconds and that's the end of it. This way you can text a cardiologist who's an internist. I'm a board certified in internal medicine, cardiology, and I'm a certified personal trainer and I'm about to become a board certified lipidologist. So you'll have access to what I think is one of the greatest combinations um, that you can have. Um, but definitely get in there, drallo.net slash community. If you like this kind of stuff, what I highly recommend is to subscribe because that tells the algorithms that we're doing well and share this with all your friends. I feel like the more people that read this and see this, uh, the better. And I hope you learned something from this. If you do, leave me some comments. Definitely, we have a whole uh, part of our community. We have a forum for podcast comments and questions. If you have a comment on this, you can leave it in there or maybe send me a DM. Hopefully I'll see it. And generally, we will talk in the next episode. Peace.